Why are we here? And I don't mean kind of in the existential human thing. I mean, why are you physically here in this place today? I think the answer is, or perhaps should be, that we are all seeking to follow Jesus. We are all seeking to become more and more disciples of Jesus. That kind of following we hope will change our lives and help us to build God's kingdom. Now that kind of discipleship is something that we might like, but can also be a big challenge. These last few weeks, our gospel lessons have been very intense about what it means to be a disciple. These gospel lessons have been stepping through some very foundational ideas of discipleship. Three weeks ago, we heard the story of Jesus walking on water and calling Peter out of the boat to get over his fear and to step out in faith. Two weeks ago, we heard the story of pursuing the lost sheep, which means Jesus came to find those who are lost. And last week, we heard Peter's profession of faith, this moment when Jesus looks at his disciples and say, who do you say that I am? And Peter gives those amazing words, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And then we get to today's lesson. Today's lesson, poor Peter has gone from the rock upon which Jesus will build the church to a stumbling block. That great line, get behind me, Satan. There is literally no verses that we skipped between last week and this week. We went straight in and Peter, within a few verses, goes from being praised to being told to get behind. That's some kind of discipleship whiplash, if I was to say so myself. Peter represents this struggle of discipleship, this struggle of our attempt to understand what Jesus is calling us into. Today's story is actually a pivot point in the gospel story. If you look at what happens at the very beginning of today's lesson, you see from that time on, and so what's really happening here is Jesus has done a whole lot of work up to this point, And from that time on, Jesus is now shifting. Jesus is now pushing toward what is his great purpose. Jesus is going toward Jerusalem. Jesus was sent with a big purpose. Jesus was meant to come and live with us. And Jesus was meant to experience what life as a human was all about and then to die and then to defeat death itself. Jesus' big purpose was to, in the poetic sense, go toward Jerusalem, toward the world power, toward the people who were not going to accept him for who he was, not going to accept the purpose for which he came. That kind of purposeful mission is actually what Jesus is calling his followers into. Jesus is calling these disciples in to share his purpose, share in his work. Jesus takes a component of this work, and then he calls the disciples in to do that work themselves. Now, as a share of his purpose, the disciples were not necessarily called to die for the purpose, although many of them did. They were called to give themselves over to the kingdom-building purpose for which Jesus came, to give themselves over to the courage of love and grace and generosity. They were called 
very fundamentally to give themselves over. Now, Jesus' disciples gave themselves over to share in his work. They were committed. They changed their lives. They left what they thought they knew. They did the things that scared them. They sacrificed in a very significant way. And any, are any of you scared about where this is going? Because Jesus called those disciples then, and Jesus calls these disciples now. Jesus calls us, just like he did 2,000 years ago. Jesus calls us to share in his work. Jesus calls us to be part of that kingdom-building work. Jesus called disciples, and we are his disciples, and now we are called to give ourselves over to that work, too. Now, giving ourselves over to anything is not what we like. Oh, we might like Jesus. Yeah, he's nice. And we might like what Jesus taught. Sure, that's good. And we might even like the idea of trying to follow Jesus' ideas. Yeah, that sounds not so bad. But then being asked to give ourselves over to Jesus' purpose? No, thank you. That means we lose all the stuff that we want. That means we lose all the stuff that we think we've earned. That means that we undermine the way the world sees us as attractive or successful by giving ourselves over, giving ourselves over to discipleship. We lose all the things the world tells us is so important. We like to be in control. We do not like to lose anything. We don't like to be pushed down a particular path. We do not like to be pushed into a corner and made to do a thing that we don't want to do. And that's kind of where discipleship takes us. And as I was thinking about this idea, I promise this is a little weird, but the image that kept coming into my head, which to me is highly tangible, is from one of the last episodes of The Amazing Race from years ago. Y'all know the show? It's where people race around the world in pairs of two, and I guess pairs of two is redundant, isn't it? In pairs. <laughs> and as they race around the world, they are given challenges. And the penultimate challenge of one season found a pair, a team, trying to get the fast forward, which would put them ahead of the other teams and therefore finish first in that leg and guarantee that they would be a finalist. But the fast forward required that they shave their heads. And one member of the team was female and she loved her hair. And she cried and she just was torn up for minutes and minutes and ultimately said, I cannot do it. I cannot shave my head. I love my hair. It is who I am. And later on, she gave an interview and she said, it's, it's how I feel pretty. And I remember thinking in that moment, would you shave your head to be a finalist to potentially win a million dollars? I would, but you know. <laughs> um, it's a... It's a big challenge. And of course, Jesus is not asking us to shave our heads, but I use that as an example, like that very tangible example to say, there are certain things that I think if we were pushed into a corner and said, this is actually what you're being asked to do, we would say, no. What is it that Jesus is asking you to do? What is it? 
that you're being called to do that you kind of are saying no to and you're acting like you don't really hear him? <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Jesus is actually asking you to do a thing and you don't really want to do it. You know you probably should do it. You know that as a disciple you probably would get something out of it. But man, it is scary. Over these last few weeks, I have continued to hear from people near daily about a sermon I gave a few weeks ago around fear. Something struck some people here. That idea of fear gets right at the core of who we are. We swim in a culture that teaches us to be afraid of failure more than we're afraid of success. I think that for us, we live so much to make sure we do not fail, we forget what are we actually trying to do? What are we trying to achieve? If I were to ask you to look at the world in a big way, look at the way that the world is, we would probably all very quickly be able to list a whole lot of things that we do not like, things that are broken, things that need to be changed, things that need to get better. And I ask you, if you know all of those things, what are you doing about them? My guess is, most of us aren't doing much, and why? Probably because we're afraid we're going to fail. And of course we're going to fail. When we look at things like poverty, who's going to solve poverty today? That's not how that works. And so for us, the idea that we can't do a thing to solve the problem and succeed and fix the whole thing means we often don't do anything. And yet, Jesus is not calling us to solve every single macro problem. Jesus is calling us to do something, to take action in some way, to try, to make a dent, to change the reality for just one other person. I think of actions that happen here in our St. Michael community, the people who deliver meals on wheels during the week, hundreds of people who deliver meals on wheels just from this parish alone. I think of those who meet with students across our city, tutoring them and raising them up and coaching them in how they can become and what they can do with the gifts God gave them. I think about the teens who worked all summer to prepare to distribute uniforms and school supplies to thousands of families in DISD who could not get them themselves. And then I think about whether any of those efforts actually changed or solved the big macro problems of our world. And the answer is, of course, no. But for that adult who cannot get their own food in their own home, they ate today because someone brought them food. And for that child who went on a field trip for the very first time to a museum that opened up their minds to their possibilities of their life, they are forever changed. And for the children who started school a few weeks ago with the right uniforms and the right supplies, everything they need, they will be put on a path to have a good year leading to a good life. No, we didn't change all the big problems. But when we do something, when we take action, 
we can change the reality for at least one other person. When we turn away from the fear of failure and see that Jesus is calling us into a life of impact where no matter how small our action is, we make a real change in the world, that, that is the vision, that is the purpose of our discipleship. We are meant to be right here. We are meant to be disciples. We are meant to be pushed and molded and formed. Hang in there this year because we've only just begun and I'm absolutely sure Jesus is not done with any of us yet. Amen.